With so much drama in the LBC, it's kind of hard being Snoop D-O-Double-G, but I somehow, someway, keep coming up with funky ass shit like every single day. May I kick a little something yeah. for the G's and make a few ends as I breeze through. Two in the morning and the party still jumping cause my mama ain't home. I got bitches in the living room getting it on and they ain't leaving till six in the morning. So what you want to do? Shit, I got a pocket full of rubbers and my homeboys do too. So turn off the lights and close the door. But for what? We don't love them hoes. Yeah. So we gon' smoke a ounce to this. G's up, hoes down while you motherfuckers bounce to this. Rolling down the street, smoking in sipping on gin and juice. Laid back. With my mind on my money and my money on my mind. Rolling down the street, smoking in sipping on gin and juice. Laid back. With my mind on my money and my money. I got me some sequins jeans Everybody got their cups but they ain't chipped in Now this type of shit happens all the time You gotta get yours but fool I gotta get mine Everything is fine when you're listening to the D.O.G I got the cultivating music that be captivating me Who listens to the words that I speak As I take me a drink to the middle of the street And get to Mac to this bitch named Shady She used to be the homeboy's lady Degrees. When I tell that bitch, please raise up off these NUTs, cause you get none of these at ease. As I mob with the dog pound, feel the breeze. Be I chuck jet. Rolling down the street, smoking in sipping on gin and juice. Laid back. With my mind on my money and my money on my mind. Rolling down the street, smoking in sipping on gin and juice. Laid back. Later on that day, my homie Dr. Drake came through with a gang of tangle rape and a fat ass Jake of some bubonic product that made me choke. Good evening and welcome to Morph Mom Live. We have an amazing show tonight for Morph Mom Moments, and I'm thrilled and honored and grateful to be sitting here with my amazing guests, Arthur and Janet Cohen. Uh, the founder of Pickles, P-I-K-A-L-S, Pickles for P-I-C-K-A-L-S, I apologize for A-L-S. And um Really, this is going to be a radio show that no one can miss. Um, now, before I get to that, and I apologize to those who want to get right to that, I just want to explain who I am and why it's called Morph Mom and why it's called Morph Mom Moments. I'm Kathleen Smith, and thank you for those of you who are joining us again tonight. And for those of you who are new, welcome. And uh, you can call in at any time to 212-631-7553. Um, a quick intro before I introduce my guests. Um, Morph Mom started about four years ago, and it's M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com. And uh, I, I, I had been a prosecutor for many years. I had three kids. I stopped. 14 years later, I thought, I'm going to waltz right back into the desk that I left. And they said, no, you're not. We got rid of the desk the second you walked out. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, now what do I do? And after a great deal of... Um, thinking and loss of confidence and where am I going to go from here, I thought, well, wait, rather than reinvent the wheel, why don't I just go out and ask the women who have done this, who have, who thought about what they wanted to do, took the steps to get there and accomplished it. And better yet, those who took steps that didn't work to share those as well. So I started this site four years ago. Again, it's morphum.com and I video women around the world who tell their stories. Uh, Then I write for Huffington Post and I share those stories as well. We have cocktail parties around the country, which is really exciting because those who feel the connection through the internet but need the human correction connection as well, 
these cocktail parties have been a great thing because people are actually meeting each other and developing lasting connections once we leave. Um, and now we have classes that are going to be coming to cities near you. If you go to the website, you'll see when they're coming. And now the radio show. And the radio show is so much fun because I get to sit here with amazing people like Janet and Arthur Cohen and sit and talk for an hour about what's going on. So as I mentioned, um, and we're about to go live on Facebook Live for anybody out there who's, who happens to be on right now. Um, but as I mentioned, I am sitting here with Janet and Arthur Cohen, who are the founders of Pickles, P-I-C-K-A-L-S for A-L-S. And you're going to see right now as we're going, oh, nope, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> we're going to try that again. Um, uh, so Janet and Arthur, uh, Arthur has ALS right now. And as you're going to see on Facebook Live, Arthur is going to be able to communicate through us through texting. And my friend Lisa Carey and Chip Carey are here to help as well to spread the news. And Janet, his amazing wife, uh, is sitting here next to me. And Janet, I'm going to begin with you and tell us a little bit about your story and about how you and Arthur met and the journey that you guys have had together. Okay. Um, first of all, it's great to be here, Kathleen. So thanks for having us. Um, so Arthur and I, we, you know, our story goes back a long way. We've been married for almost 30 years and, um, you know, had just a, just a great, a great 30 years together, a lot of fun. And uh, we have two kids. And um, so, you know, we were just sending our youngest child off to college and um, started noticing that Arthur's speech was a little slurred and didn't think anything of it, just thought that, um, you know, maybe it was a reaction to something or um, some kind of ear, nose, and throat issue. But um, after, so to make a long story short, after going to many doctors, <clears throat> we um, were told that Arthur had ALS, which is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, um, which was something we obviously were not expecting um, at that point in our lives, you know, with both of our kids just um, kind of out of the house and starting a new chapter of our own. Um, so it's been about three years now since Arthur's been diagnosed and um, we're just trying to sort of make the most of it and um, take each day as it comes and really live life. And you clearly are, because I just spent the last hour with this amazing couple, and I don't think I've had such a good time in a really, really, really long time. Two just amazing people. Um, so tell me about when you first found out about the diagnosis. Where did you go from there? Um, well, I have to say that, you know, because I do have a doctorate degree from Google and I spent a lot of time <laughs> researching things um, before the diagnosis, I it wasn't a total shock. I think I sort of knew that there was a, you know, really strong possibility that that's what we were dealing with. Um, and so I think when, you know, the words were actually said to us, you know, of course, it's shocking, but I sort of had been prepared for it in a way, um, just reading so much about it. And so, you know, it's such a different disease to deal with than, you know, cancer or any other really serious diseases because nothing is going to change right away. It's very gradual. Um, so you just go on living your life the way you always have um, and 
you know, with a sort of like mild sense of impending doom because, you know, over time things aren't going to get better. In fact, our, the neurologist said to us that day, this is the best you're going to feel right now. And so if there's anything you want to do, don't hesitate to do it because, you know, it's not going to get better over time. So you have to adjust to that kind of new normal. It's not always easy, but amazingly, you know, people are so resilient. And and I always tell people when they say how, you know, I I can't believe your attitude, but you really don't have it. You know, you can, you can just um, let it happen to you and, or you can really, you know, kind of make the most of it and enjoy the time you have. And that's the choice that we made. And it's not always easy, but, you know, we're, we're plugging away. So that's where we're at. Clearly, these are two people, two phenomenal individuals who are sitting here smiling as they tell the story. And as soon you will see on Facebook Live, like these, literally, I'm watching both of you telling the story with a big smile on your face. Like, yeah, we've got this. We're going to do this, and we're going to make the most of this, and that's what's going to happen. And so you, so he tells you that, and you leave the, the doctor's office, and you say, okay, we're going to make the most of this. And can you tell us about then what happens? Well... Okay, I'm leaving out the first we, like, cried a lot, you know, and had horrible conversations about, you know, the things that we probably would never get to do. Um, because I – so for people who don't know about ALS, um, it's also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. So you probably have heard that ter- that name before. Um, and it's a neurological disease that over the course of probably three to five years for most people – um, slowly takes away your ability to um, y- your brain stops sending messages to your muscles. So your muscles start to atrophy, and over time you lose your ability to walk, um, to use your hands, to speak most of the time. In Arthur's case, that's the case. Um, to swallow. So, you know, all voluntary functions start to um, become difficult like so at a certain point you're not really able to eat food anymore and then um, ultimately your diaphragm uh, the muscles in your diaphragm weaken and you really can't breathe on your own anymore so that's sort of ALS in a nutshell and that's how people die of ALS Um, and there is no cure for ALS there is barely a treatment for ALS. Unlike almost any other disease in the world, there really isn't a treatment for it. There's one drug that the FDA has approved, um, and it doesn't have very meaningful um, results. So in most cases, it's known to extend someone's survival for a matter of months, like three months. So um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done for this disease. So that's kind of what was Arthur's incentive to do what he did after he was diagnosed. So that leads us now to pickles. So when you said there was a lot to be done, tell me about that. Tell me what you did and how it happened. So, you know, a few months went by after Arthur was diagnosed. And I I guess, you know, when you're sort of handed a death sentence in a way, it 
it can in some ways be liberating and things that you might have thought through, um, ideas you might have had and then just dismissed at a different time in your life sort of seem doable all of a sudden. Like, what have you got to lose? So Arthur had always made pickles. We always grew cucumbers in our garden at our house. And every year he would make a batch of these really delicious garlicky pickles and give them to people around the holidays. And, you know, people were really into his amazing pickles. So when he was diagnosed, he one day said, you know, I think I'm going to do something with this pickles thing. Um, I had no idea what he meant, but he said, I want to start selling the pickles to raise money for ALS research. Um, And honestly, there can never be enough money raised for ALS research because there's so much that needs to be done for this disease. So um, that was sort of the beginning of this amazingly great and many times really weird pickles journey that we've been on for, you know, two and a half years now. Now, we're on Facebook Live, for those of you watching, and I've got Janet and Arthur on right now. And if you have any questions, you can Facebook comment me and we can ask them. And Arthur can text back any answer that you want. And Janet is here to answer the questions, but ask away because that's what we're here for tonight. And we're going to promote this. We're going to get pickles out there and we're going to do whatever we can. So Janet, when you were just talking about pickles and how this has come to be, how are you pr- promoting this pickles, the pickles? Well, so here's how, here's how it started. Um, so in the very beginning, in like the early stages, we were making the pickles ourselves. You know, we were... Originally, it was just a few of us who would make, you know, however many jars we could make in a day. And we started bringing them to ALS walks and selling them at ALS walks. And we were donating the money to the ALS Association. And so over time, people started hearing about it, spreading the word. And, um, you know, we were selling out of them and we couldn't actually keep up. So we, you know, on a weekend, we would have friends and neighbors and family and friends of family and friends of neighbors come to our house and just, we would just make these pickles all day long. And, you know, we'd make maybe 150 jars in a day on a really, really good day and they would be gone. And then we realized that we just couldn't keep up with the orders anymore. So we started looking for someone to partner with. And that led us to the very amazing Bill McEntee of Patriot Pickle, and they're located in Wayne, New Jersey. And Bill had lost a friend to ALS years ago, and as soon as he heard about what Arthur was, was doing with pickles and what his mission was, he just said, I'm, I'm in no matter what. And he has been a really amazing partner. So we went from doing this in our kitchen um, with with just like a bunch of friends to doing it in a serious pickle factory, um, still with friends who would go to the factory, um, but also working with Bill's staff of, you know, picklers who were pros and taught us that, you know, you could, you could do the same amount of, of jars in like a quarter of the time. So that was an amazing learning experience for everybody. And so it's kind of just grown from there. And now we sell them online and we sell them in some local stores. And, you know, we're kind of looking for new outlets all the time. And 
every once in a while we'll get a call from Mississippi for <laughs> someone who's heard about us on the radio or read about us on Facebook. And, you know, it's just, it's been, it's been really, it's been amazing. And we've been so lucky to have raised money that we can donate to really um, just organizations who are doing incredible things for ALS research. So, so the proceeds from the pickles go to any ALS-funded uh, charity organization? Right, exactly. So all the profits go. We have donated a lot of money to the ALS Association over the years, specifically through all the walks they do. Um, you know, we've gone to many locations in the tri-state area, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, and have sold pickles at all these walks um, and have been so thrilled to um, you know, partner with the ALS Association to um, to donate profits that they can use for ALS research. Um, and since then, we've also learned about other research organizations, specifically ALS TDI, which is located in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That's the ALS Therapy De- Development Institute. So they're the world's first biotech that's devoted to ALS research, and they do nothing more than ALS research, and they are doing such groundbreaking work there. So we're, you know, so lucky to be able to make, to be a part of that and to donate profits to their really worthwhile work there. How do you find out about something like that? So when you you start the process and you say, okay, the proceeds are going to go to X, Y, and Z, how do you find out about the other organizations out there that are doing this groundbreaking work. So what we learned is the ALS community is really like nothing else I've ever experienced. It's it's a very it's such a bond that there's such a bond that exists between people with ALS because it's such a peculiar and particular experience to go through. Um, because Again, you know, you're not in a hospital, you're not getting surgery, you're just living your life, and, you know, you, people connect with each other on Facebook, they become f- lifelong friends. We've met so many amazing people in the past couple of years, and, you know, you, you learn through Facebook, um, and, and just from doing your own research, um, who are, who are the organizations that are really out there dedicated to making a difference for people living with this disease? So ALS TDI is one of them. Um, there's another organization in Massachusetts um, called Compassionate Care ALS. We support them as well. And they don't do research, but what they do is they just provide day-to-day care for people living with ALS, which initially we were, you know, we didn't really understand why that was so important because we didn't really you know for a good year or a year and a half our life while we knew we were living with this horrible disease our life was sort of unchanged you know day to day and then that changes and then you realize that you need a scooter to get around your house and then one shows up at your door from compassionate care als or he'll say the the founder of this amazing organization, his name is Ron Hoffman, he'll show up at your door and say, you know, I'm going to send you a shower chair because you're going to need that in a couple of months. And that would show up. And so he provides all kinds of support for um, for families. He, t- he talks to your children. And 
goes to the places that are sometimes hard to go to, but doing that in a way is, is it's really comforting, you know, to have somebody be able to talk to you about what, what the future looks like with ALS so that there's kind of less fear. And so these are more local uh, organizations. Is there any sort of national funding assistance as well? ALS TDI, while they're located in Cambridge, their their reach is national. They have patients from, you know, 50 states, I think, who go there um, to meet with people there and, and participate in these clinical programs that they have. Um, Arthur's been part of one where um, they they have a group of like 300 ALS patients that they they document they've asked a million medical questions and they record you your progress your over time you know progress with the disease and i think the um the goal is that there will be you know by entering all this data into a computer you know into a, using using computers to sort of like look for trends among different patients and to identify different kind of strains of ALS and what would respond to what kind of treatment. So it's really, it's actually like groundbreaking work for ALS research and like we're so excited to be part of that. So as far as the local, the national, whatever it is, the regional organizations that are helping ALS, I would say any publicity probably helps in this and getting the word out and getting the funding out there and how important and necessary this is. Yes, definitely. Yep. And there's a new movie that recently just came out. Um, I I think it was with the New Orleans Saints player, um, and I can't, I think think the name of it, but a new movie that just came out. Um, As far as that in the film industry, will that help with awareness and help getting the word out as well with the funding? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think... The more that people know about ALS, the better. I, I think for so long, um, you know, people just thought of Lou Gehrig and they sort of knew about it but didn't really maybe know people who had the disease. But I think if you ask now, if you ask people today, do you know someone with ALS? Almost everyone has a connection to ALS through a friend or a relative or a friend of a friend. So... I think once you learn about this disease and you realize like how horrible it is and that it's, you know, 2016 and there still really isn't any kind of meaningful treatment for it, I I think that people start to understand how important it is to donate to this disease. So one way to learn about ALS is to watch this new movie called Gleason. It's out in theaters now. It's the story of Steve Gleason, who's a football player who was with the New Orleans Saints, I think. And he, in his 30s, learned he had ALS. And so it's a story of, of his journey with ALS. And he's, he's alive. He has a young child. He's married. And he's done amazing things for the disease. And it's a, it's a really inspirational movie. And I think it's also hard to watch at times, but... I think ultimately in the end you learn how people, how their spirit really keeps them going through this disease and how they're able to do things they probably never thought that they could do, you know, with maybe unless they had something like this that they were dealing with. And Janet Arthur just reminded you, just reminded me 
that um, your uncle actually had ALS, which is yes. an incredibly small world. I mean, right, and his name was Arthur. And it's my, my mom's brother, so obviously there's no relation. But, um, you know, I sort of lived with this feeling of that's the worst possible thing that can happen to someone. Just watching my uncle who, you know, in his 50s, he was this really big, muscular, tough guy. And, you know, I just watched him over time um, kind of deteriorate with this disease and uh, he lived with it for a long time because he made the decision to be on a ventilator, which a lot of ALS patients don't do. Um, but he was around for almost 10 years. And, you know, it, it's a, it's just, it's not, it's not a great way to live. But some people make the choice that it's worth, it's worth being alive at, you know, no matter what it takes. So that's, that's always a big decision for people with ALS. Something that just touched me about what you said was when you are diagnosed with it or when you're living with it or helping someone, it makes you do things you never thought you would do or it allows you to do things you never thought you were able to do or could handle. Right. Like I'm at a radio show right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just for starters. (laughs) And speaking of which, I have to do the promo right now. Um, I'm sitting here for those of you who just joined us and trust me, stay with us because this is an amazing night of radio. I'm with my amazing guest, Janet Narthur Cohen. And we're talking about ALS tonight and, um, you know, and Arthur who has ALS and the Cohens who have started pickles, P-I-C-K-A-L-S for ALS, which are actual pickles in a jar, which are unbelievably tasty. And the money is then going for research and funding for ALS. And uh, for those of you who want to call in, it's 212-631-7553. But we were just talking about how um, through adversity sometimes you see what you're capable of and you see what you're able to do and able to overcome. And, Janet, you just mentioned that. Like when something happens, you wonder, like, what will I be able to do? So with what has happened, when you're looking back, are, are you accomplishing things you never thought that you would be able to do that just as a person when you're challenged and you're called for this? Like how do you feel about that? Um, well, that's a great question. I, I think that, you know, what makes ALS really tricky is that at a certain point, an ALS patient is going to require full-time care. And, you know, Arthur's at the point where he does need assistance a lot during the day. So a decision kind of has to be made. Like, is somebody going to get, you know, devote their life to that, maybe leave a job that they're in to become a caregiver? Or are you going to hire a caregiver? So um, for a long time, I was sort of doing both. And it's, you know, I don't recommend that. It's not sustainable over time, really. Um, it's exhausting. So I, I still work full time. And we have a caregiver who, you know, helps with Arthur during the day. Um, but I'm still doing more than I ever thought I could do in a million years and I'm just inspired by Arthur who is also just doing amazing things every minute of the day so it, it, it keeps the whole family going because he has such a great attitude about life and about making a difference and so you know it's hard to complain about you know having to work a little harder when you get home after work. 
Well, for those of you out there, we'll be on Facebook Live soon again, but I see the biggest smile on Arthur's face. Look at you as you're talking about this and the true love and compassion that's going on here between what you're doing and what Arthur sees what you're doing. Um, I, so as you're trying to help Arthur and on a daily basis, are there drugs available? Is there anything available to alleviate pain or to – is there anything out there that you can access for Arthur? So – I. I mean, I guess the good news, you know, the one piece of good news about ALS is that it's generally not a painful disease. There are some people who have, you know, pain now and then, but um, there's nothing really physically painful about it. I think it's emotionally painful because, you know, one day you'll realize I can't lift a tea kettle anymore or I can't pull my covers over, you know, I can't pull my covers up in bed anymore. And over time, you know, all the things that you took for granted start to become impossible to do. And then you need to rely on other people to do them. So I think that's what's really painful about ALS. But there's, you know, as I said, there's really nothing in the way of a treatment that can really, you know, so far anyway... Hopefully that will change soon. But there's nothing right now that can stop the progression of ALS. Um, There are things that help to stop, like, slightly, but there's nothing that provides any kind of, like, meaningful, you know, disease progression, um, any change in in the progression of the disease. And Arthur just said, and also I can attest to the fact that Arthur does always have a smile on his face. Um, and Arthur just texted that as far as dealing with it, I mean, his quote is, you accept and adapt. So, and he has done that amazingly well. I think yeah, that's when the message, I guess, right, in life. You know, I, I think that's really true. I think that people don't realize you know, I'll, do, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, when Arthur was first diagnosed, I was spending, you know, way too much time on ALS chat rooms. And I was reading things that people were writing. And some of the things I saw terrified me. It reminded me of when I was a kid and my brother would always say to me, don't look ahead in your math book because it's going to freak you out. You're not going to be able to do anything. You're, you're going to be looking at it going, I'll never be able to do that. So it was a similar thing because... I would read that things that people wrote about not being able to speak anymore, not being able to swallow their morning tea. And I thought, I'm, I am not going to be able to deal with not being able to have a conversation with my husband, um, not being able to sit with him in the morning and have coffee or tea with him. And then over time, you realize that is your reality now. Like, over time... You know, we went from having very slurred speech that I was still able to sort of decipher to no speech at all. And it's harder, of course, as you can, as anyone can imagine, not being able to have a real conversation with your spouse is, I mean, in some cases it might be great, but, (laughs) you know, certainly at some times it's great, but 95% of the time, not so much. But you adjust to it, and you work around it, and you have to kind of always stay a step ahead of it. And 
that's what they tell you, you know, with, when you're living with ALS, try to always be a step ahead of it so that nothing blindsides you, nothing comes as, as a surprise. But um, I, it just, I think the thing that we've both learned is like humans are so unbelievably adaptable. And I mean, if someone had told me a few years ago, you will be, you know, in, in 2016, your husband won't be able to walk, speak, use his hands really, um, swallow food for the most part, I would have been like, I, you know, I'm going to have to jump out a window now, but you, it's unbelievable how you adapt. And then it just becomes like sort of your new, your new existence and you just learn to deal with it. And it, it, over, over time it becomes sort of okay. And then I guess, as opposed to taking things for granted, like the simple things in life that really, really matter, really, really do matter. And, and you and you appreciate them, and I know that in a in an odd way, maybe the simplest thing, it means so much more than something you never would have realized before. You would have walked past it, but now it's there, and you you realize it, and you appreciate it. With, with, and we were talking earlier about like what um, what's been done as far as research. Has there been any breakthrough as far as experimental drugs, or is there any availability with experimental drugs right now? You know, there are a lot of experimental things happening right now in ILS, and, you know, Arthur will always tell the story of when he was diagnosed, his neurologist at Columbia University said to him, we don't really, I don't really believe he said this, but Arthur maintains (laughs) that he said it's a very exciting time to have ALS, (laughs) Um, because he said there's more money being poured into ALS research than ever before, which I think is really the case, and... Um, people are on this disease now because they recognize how ridiculous it is in this day and age that people 35 years old, 30 years old, get a disease, there's nothing they can do, you know, and and, in three years or five years, they're not with us anymore. And it just doesn't seem like that could be okay. So um, there's a lot happening right now. There are a lot of clinical trials going on that people have participated in. There are a lot of drugs that are in kind of, I think, phase three trials, um, which means there is some promise. So, you know, everyone just keeps checking every day. People with ALS all communicate with each other and they share stories about trials they've been in and whether it's been helpful. There's a lot being done with stem cell uh, research um, in other, even in other countries like Israel. So we're hopeful, but there hasn't, so far, there hasn't been, like, a magic bullet yet. Does insurance cover, or I guess how far does insurance cover? Will, will they cover any of these experimental treatments? Will they, what are the limitations? Or are there many limitations? What aren't the limitations, I guess? I don't think insurance covers any experimental treatments, because unless they're FDA approved, I think they probably don't cover them. So people hope to get in clinical trials there are people who have gone to israel and other countries for treat experimental mexico um for experimental treatments stem cell treatments you know you know arthur always says if there was something that really worked we'd all know about it by now so we're just kind of waiting and hoping and there are so many different things happening right now in research all over the place, and I just th- I think it's a matter of time, and I, I 
in a weird way, it probably is a good time to have ALS versus like 10 years ago. Now, you have two children who are, who are older now. And as far as their acceptance of what's happening and their involvement in the Pickles enterprise, can you talk about that a little bit? And I do call it enterprise because I do believe, <laughs> especially after tonight, everyone out there listening, P-I-C-K-A-L-S is becoming an enterprise. Pickles.org. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's been sort of a family thing. Um, I, you know, when the kid, my, we have a child still in college, um, so she's not around as much. But, um, you know, they've both been involved in the whole pickles initiative and making pickles, selling pickles at walks. Um, spreading the word at work and among their friends at school. So um, everyone's helping where they can and family members, extended family and um, neighbors and friends in Maplewood, New Jersey, putting in a plug for our hometown, <laughs> um, have been amazing. So with the pickles, now I'm looking at them right now. Explain so it's P-I-C-K-A-L-S dot org. And I'm going to put this up on Facebook Live in a, middle, in a minute. But this was a recipe that Arthur had many, many years ago. Am I mistaken about that? Um, it was probably, you know, seven to ten years ago. <laughs> he, and as, as is usually the case with Arthur, he just sort of like wung it, you know, just found a couple of different recipes and then kind of mixed them together to see, you know, kind of adjusted them to his taste and he just ended up with this amazing recipe and um, I, all I can say is that people constantly tell us they're the best pickles they've ever had. <laughs> people from all over, people who have no vested interest in saying they're the best pickles they've ever had tell us they're like you know they've never had a better pickle and I think what's great about them is first of all they need to be refrigerated so they're really super crunchy. They're really fresh tasting. They have a lot of garlic in them. And um, you can make Bloody Marys with them. You can which is the awesome <laughs> part. You can make Bloody Marys. That was a very important <laughs> part of the puzzle. But you yes. can make Bloody Marys. You can drink the juice because it's loaded with electrolytes, <laughs> honestly. And um, we're looking at Facebook Live right now. Here they are. It's crunch time for a cure. <laughs> And we have spicy, a spicy um, version and the, our original version, which is, um, you know, very garlicky, but not so spicy. So um, we have some really dedicated Pickles fans out there. <laughs> so we're hoping to expand that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we encourage you to visit our website, P-I-C-K-A-L-S, and like us on Facebook. As it's going on. Um, so where you are now, and so... Day by day, are you constantly looking to see has something new come up? Has soon up some new research started? Has some new experimental data been out there? Like, how do you keep up with that all the time? It's it can sort of take over your life if you let it. Um, and I think I was at that point maybe a year or two ago, um, where I just was constantly reading about clinical trials and new drugs that were on the horizon. Um, I think we we still follow it, and you know there's a lot of information sharing that goes on between patients. As I said, it's a really it tends to be a really tight community, and people write am amazing blogs about ALS, funny and um, 
heartbreaking and funny at the same time. And, um, you know, they'll share their experiences. They'll talk about treatments that they're trying or um, even experimental treatments they're trying. And just the word gets out. And so you sort of know what's going on out there at all times, which is it's it's great. People really they have each other's back with this disease because it's, you know, it's a relatively small community. But um, everyone's everyone is in touch and they we go to these events or these fundraisers and we see the same people all the time and it's it becomes sort of like a all like a family of people that you get to know and care about and what is the equipment for those listening tonight who don't know where to begin where do you begin with the equipment and what what are the important things to get right away um i think it can vary but I mean, at some point, almost every person with ALS will need a wheelchair because they'll they'll lose their ability to walk. Um, there are communi- assisted assistive communications devices which help people who can't speak anymore to still have a voice, and that's something that the Steve Gleason Foundation has been unbelievably instrumental in. Um, making available for everyone with ALS. They, there's now a, St- a Steve Gleason Act so that um, patients with ALS no longer have to pay like $20,000 to get an eye gaze computer. Um, and I, let me interrupt for a second. What is an eye gaze computer? So if you think about it, if you have ALS and you can't really use your hands anymore to type and you can't speak, um, in the past, like 10, 15 years ago, people with ALS would be what they called locked in, and they would be unable to really communicate with anybody, so they'd be forced to communicate with, you know, pointing to a word on a board or, um, you know, just using these sort of really low-tech uh, forms of communication to just let their needs be known to family members or, you know, friends. So... There are actually computers now, and they've been around for, you know, a short amount of time. But you type with your eyes because no one knows why, but people with ALS never lose. The muscles in your eyes, for some reason, just never weaken when you have ALS. So you can always blink, and you can can stare at things. And so there have been computers developed that allow people to type just using their eyes by staring at letters and using their eyes. And when you say, by, is it sort of like the, the length of time you stare at a letter? Or how, do you know like how, that, how it actually enables the person to communicate? Is it the length of time or is it the... I don't know if you know the answer to that. I'm just out of curiosity how that would, um, how that would happen. I mean, I... We're not really sure, to be 100% honest. Um, but, you know, it you can do it really quickly. Like some people get to the point where they say they can type faster with their eyes than they could with their fingers. And people really? write, they write blogs, they write screenplays, they write all kinds of things using their eyes with an eye gaze computer. And it also um, sometimes is hooked up to a speaking some some sort of speaking software where they can type and then they can have a voice and you know communicate with family members and you know really share what's on their mind which is hard to do without something like that 
And you mentioned before that insurance does not cover a lot of this. So what would the cost of something like that be? I think the cost of a Toby computer, an iGaze computer, is around $20,000, like eighteen dollars to $20,000. So, you know, it's out of the reach of a lot of people with ALS. And so most people in the past didn't have one. Or if, you know, if you think about it, older people would get the disease and they weren't really computer literate, so it was hard to make that transition to using a computer at that stage in their life. But today, um, you know, it's easy for most people to learn how to do it. And um, now, because of the Steve Gleason Act, Medicare covers that because they feel now that it's, it's a necessity. People with this disease need to be able to communicate. Um, and, you know, this, we're so lucky to have this technology that makes it possible for them to do that. So just to interject, so Arthur was just saying, you know, on this whole theme of insurance, no insurance, just how important it is to take advantage of all the resources that you have and to just really kind of tap into those. And um, now Arthur says that he types way faster now with his new computer and your insurance did cover it. Yes? No? Yeah, okay. I guess it did. Yeah. Now, type faster. Is that with your? Th- that's with not the eyes. Eye, with your yeah. eyes. You type faster than with your with your thumbs. Really, and is it because? And again, when you're doing that, can you look at? Is it just letters or is it words? Letters. You can go to. You can go right to words as well. I think it's just letters. And and. Again, for those of you just joining us, again, I can't even believe I'm sitting here with the amazing Arthur and Janet Cohen. It is an absolute honor to be here with them. And Arthur is telling us about, with ALS, how he has is dealing with either communicating via text, texting with his thumbs as opposed to visually a new, a new innovation where through his eyes he can communicate as well. And he was saying through his eyes it's much it's faster than through, through thumbs. Because uh, he's just, Arthur's just texting because it's words and phrases. So it guesses your words. And, and which do you prefer, Arthur? So when you're doing it, although it's faster with that, do you prefer with your thumb? Or do, is there, do you have a preference you prefer with your eyes? Because you can get to the point much faster. Huh. And, and Janet, as far as you, so when, when you switched to that new technology, did that make a big difference for you as well? Well, he still communicates with um, an iPhone and an app called Speak It. So just for day-to-day communication, I think it's easier for him to be able to walk around with his iPhone and just to type into it to let me know, um, you know, when he's hungry or whatever he needs to, you know, communicate. So he uses, I think, the eye gaze more when he's emailing or just doing personal writing. But just day to day, you know, we're so lucky that he's still able to use his his hands to um, to type on his iPhone. And and when you did get this, was it difficult, Arthur? I'm going to ask you this: Was it difficult for you to learn? No, he's saying no. It wasn't difficult at all. It, it came pretty naturally to figure out how to do it. And and as and Arthur is now telling us exactly. And I'm I'm just curious, like. How quickly were you able to adapt to it? I and think, I think it was just a matter of really of days. I think you be, you can use it almost right away, but like if you think about it, like learning to type, you know, you're you're slow at first, and then you, the more you do it, the 
the faster you become. And I think it's the same thing with the Toby. I think you start out slow, and then all of a sudden you get the hang of it. And you know, he's pretty he's pretty <laughs> proficient now. Okay, so Arthur's saying it took. Sorry, uh, took about a month for him to to get, I guess, proficient or really proficient. He does all his emails through the Toby, and um, he said many people give up, <laughs> but not Arthur. <laughs> no, I have a feeling that Arthur never gives up, or Janet, as I'm sitting here with these two amazing, incredibly inspirational people. And as I mentioned before, so we've been sitting, we were speaking an hour prior to the show, and you literally, like, as you're sitting with this couple, you feel the love between you guys. You really do. I know people say that, but I'm telling you, you really do. And that communicating, it's not always about the words. It's about how you look at somebody. It's about, there, there's much more to it. And I think you guys have that down pat. Where do you get the energy every single day to do this and to share your message and to make the pickles and to do everything that you do? I really have no <laughs> idea, to be honest. I really don't know. But, you know, you just, you just find <laughs> Arthur says he has really, he has obnoxious hand signals now. <laughs> yeah. So. Everyone knows Arthur's hand signals. <laughs> so true. Smaller. <laughs> he knocks on his head when he thinks you're being an idiot. <laughs> so. um, yeah, I, I, I think, and I tell this to people all the time, you know, you everybody would be surprised at what they're capable of if they had if they had to be if they were put in a position um, of having to deal with something not so great in life. Everybody would be surprised at what they would be able to handle and you know how they would how they would prevail. So I don't wish it on anyone, but that's the good news is that we all have it in us, and um, it's. You know, you, you're more amazing than you think you are. <laughs> I, I think like everybody says, right, when you push against the wall, that's when you kind of know what kind of a person you are. I think that's true. And I'm staring at a picture of Frank Sinatra right now on your wall, <laughs> and it says the big lesson in life, baby, is never be, a, never be scared of anyone or anything. And I, I think when the worst thing happens to you as a person, fear sort of goes away. Um, and you start to think, what have I got to lose? I'm going to start a pickle company, and what's the worst that can happen? So in a way, you know, when something really bad happens to you, it's oddly liberating because you just think, this is my shot, and why not? You know, what's the worst that can happen? So that's, that's sort of the upside. That's the upside of terminal illness, you know. Well, and I can see Arthur shaking his head vehemently behind you, confirming what you're saying. And I think that, for those of you out there listening, I'm sitting here with Arthur and Janet, and I've never seen a stronger couple before in my entire life. And I think sometimes you question how you communicate with one another. But there's something going on here between you two. It's not about the words. There's something much, much more to it. And I'm literally, I'm like, I'm watching it as it's happening here in the studio tonight. So Arthur said there is an upside, which probably haven't thought about. They did get amazing Hamilton tickets. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm jealous. <laughs> right now. Um, he met Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and most important of all, he gets preferential treatment at the DMV, which for those at the 
Division of Motor Vehicles, for those of you who do not live in New Jersey. So, you know. Okay. you got to think of that. It's not all bad. <laughs> That's not all bad, Arthur. I've made four trips to the DMV, waited three hours, and left and had to go back again. That is a good thing. So Hamilton. So, yeah. prefer- so what did you think of Hamilton? Amazing. Amazing. I, you know, I thought, Absolutely how could amazing. it possibly live up to the hype? And it really just surpassed my, ex- my wildest expectations. It was so- did you see it? No, she did, though. So I did, and I'm telling you, so now we got to get Lin-Manuel behind Pickles right now. Mm-hmm. If you're out there listening, come support Pickles. There is nothing better. And once you meet Arthur and Janet, you'll be 100% in. That's what we got to do. Hamilton, Hamilton was amazing. amazing. I <laughs> loved Hamilton. And I love Snoop Doggy Dog. By the way, Snoop, if you're listening tonight, <laughs> we need you, you too. He is. Yeah. I'm sure I hope he is. he's listening. I think it was an honor for Snoop to meet Arthur. That's what I think. I don't think. I, I think, think so, too. You loved meeting yeah. him, but I think he loved meeting you as well. Do I have to refer back, as corny as this may sound, to one of my favorite poems in the entire world by Ru- Rudyard Kipling, If. And the last line is, well, the two last lines, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. And I feel like as I'm sitting here with you guys tonight, that's exactly what you're doing. You're taking every second of every minute of every day and doing something with it. And you're trying to help others and helping yourself at the same time. And it is so beyond inspirational that words don't even help to explain that. And I just want to thank you for what you're doing and thank you for coming in tonight and sharing this. And this is what we need to do. We need to get the word out there and we need to get people on board and we need to figure out what's going on. And if there's any message that you could give to people out there tonight, what would you say? Other than buy pickles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, buy pickles. pickles. Um, and we're a 501c3 um, not-for-profit. So you can buy pickles at pickles.org or donate and make a tax-deductible contribution. Um, but I would say other than, you know, learn more about ALS, um, I would say, you know, make the most of make the most of every day because you just never know what's around the next around the corner and um it's such a cliche and people hear it all the time it's like what's that like dance like you're what is that song dance dance oh, like yeah. <laughs> d- oh uh there's Sorry. there's some song like there's there's a song about dance, dance like, like you're never gonna dance again um Oh, here's something for Arthur. This is uh, his favorite quote. It's actually from Warren Zevon and kind of sums what I'm trying to say up in a nice, tidy three words. <laughs> Enjoy every sandwich. <laughs> Perfect. It's true. It is true. Like, that's the message I think you're sending. And I have to tell everybody out there, I- I've never been as inspired and as felt so such happiness sitting next to Arthur and Janet. They, I, I literally have never felt such a bond, and sometimes I think that's the importance of this. It's not about the words. It's about the, it's about the bond. And the bond here is so tremendous, and this is the bond that's going to carry forward to everybody out there, and this is how we're going to make changes in LES, and we're going we're gonna to succeed. We're going to make... There's going to be a cure. There's going to be more research done, and it's going to happen. It's because of people like Arthur and Janet Cohen. It's exactly why it's going to happen. And I can't believe our time is up. But thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. And thank you, Arthur and Janet Cohen, for just an amazing hour of radio. Thank you, Lisa and Chip Carey, for coming and supporting me tonight. And uh, 
we will be back next week. More from our moments every Thursday night, 7 o'clock. And most importantly, if anyone needs to get in touch with Janet and Arthur, Janet, will you give them your contact information and for Pickles? Yes, um, pickles.org is our website. You can like us on Facebook, and that'll keep you up to date on all kinds of Pickles activities. And um, I think that's it. So thanks for listening, and um, eat pickles. It's crunch time for a cure. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Good night. Good night. Hello out there. This is a PSA for City World Radio Network. On Monday, we have at 6 o'clock, Keeping It Real with Jazzy Joy and Company. At 7 o'clock, we have AC Low Show or Bill Russo Show. At 8 o'clock, we have Johnny Mandolin, and he is the president of City World Radio Network. At 9, we have Janetta's Vendetta with Janetta, Pocket Trumpeter. At 10, we have Garage Mania with Robbie Russell and their Cheryl. On Tuesday, we have DJ John Lombardi. At 8 o'clock, we have Inside New York York Tourism with Joe Moriello. At 10 o'clock, we have The Swingers Lifestyle with Jack and Jill. On Wednesday, we have 6 o'clock, Pearls of the Sea with Lisa and C. At 7 o'clock, we have Three Guys from Newark with Bob, Bob, and Paul. At 8 o'clock, we have Frankie Sticks Show with Frankie Sticks and Chick Chick Chat. At 9, we have Better Days, A Positive Approach to Life with Lynn McNamara. That's on the last Wednesday of each month. At 11 o'clock, we have Down for the Team with Jonah Legacy and his friends. On Thursday, we have Live with the Skies with Sky and Jade. 6 o'clock, we have Live with Roxanne and American Journey. 7, we have Morph Moms with Kathleen Butler-Smith. At 8 o'clock, we have Salon Radio and the International Women's Artist Salon. At 9 o'clock, we have Mia's World with Mia Berman. On Friday at 7 o'clock, we have a class act just stepping back with John B. We have many shows and many spots open for new shows. If you would like to be on the City World Radio Network, please email us at cityworldradio at aol.com. And that's cityworldradio at aol.com. Thank you. Peace. Hi, I'm Danny Iowa.